0: If you're going to do any sort of investing in real estate other than wholesaling, you're going to come across properties that need renovated, and it's vitally important to have a good crew to call on and be able to trust and rely on them. Best
1: ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out all the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. And with us today, we've got Taylor Takas. How are you doing, Taylor?
0: Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Taylor. He is the president at Helping Hand Real Estate, He utilizes private funds to purchase, renovate, and resell residential properties. He began in 2012 after he graduated college and has flipped and wholesaled dozens of houses since then. He's doing it in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and you can say hi to him at his website, helpinghandre.com. With that being said, Taylor, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I jumped into real estate about four years ago now with my brother, I was just out of college, she'd graduated high school, and we were trying to do wholesaling and lease options to start. We found out pretty quickly we could use some direction, so we found some mentors in our local market, and they taught us wholesaling and flipping, which is what they were doing. So after about a year of just wholesaling, they asked us to work with them, so we obviously jumped at that opportunity. and. We were there for about a year and a half wholesaled and flipped with them. And then during that time, my role was primarily managing the flips, although we were also wholesaling. So I went back out on my own and continued doing that and have a handful of rentals now, but primarily I focus on wholesaling and flipping still.
1: Okay. Wholesaling and flipping is your primary focus. How are you getting the leads?
0: A lot of the lead generation that we did was Direct marketing, we do postcards, yellow letters. We did a lot of bandit signs as well. I do the magnets on the side of my car and the vinyl across the back. So we found it best, at least in the Pittsburgh market here, to find leads not on the MLS or on Zillow or Craigslist or anywhere where anyone with an internet connection can find them. So off MLS leads, we found have been... The most profitable, at least for us in the Pittsburgh market here.
1: Out of all those tactics, if you could only do one, which one would you do?
0: Ooh, good question. I'd have to say some form of direct mail, whether it's postcards, you know, yellow letters. That's probably been our most successful marketing technique, I'd say.
1: What service do you use?
0: As far as the website that we use?
1: Yeah, how do you get your list, if you have someone send out the postcards, where you get the postcards, that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, certainly. So in Pittsburgh here, it's Allegheny County, there's actually a website that you can pull up all the information online. And there's also, if you go down to the county courthouse, you can actually, in our county, you can get a list, a data disk of all the homes in the county with owner names, owner mailing addresses, property addresses, everything that you would ever need to know about the property. I believe once a year, typically, they update it. We buy that disc. It has thousands and thousands of properties on it. Then we're able to sort through it on an Excel spreadsheet. And from there, we'll actually choose where we want to mail to, where we want to target, and we'll send it off to a website called Yellow Letters Complete, if you've ever heard of them. They're great. They do a lot of work for us. And that's really been the best way that we've gone about doing the direct marketing.
1: How do you determine where you mail it to?
0: Really, we were farming a a specific area of the city that was really hot for a few years here. It still is, but...
1: What's that area?
0: It's called Lawrenceville. Okay. But really, it's just by... I'll go on the MLS and do some comps from six months ago, a year ago and kind of see what the average home price is in that zip code or or market. And then I'll also go into the software and I'll pull the, the comps for say the last six months and then compare that to how, what the average sales price was a year ago. And if we're seeing a little bit of a rise in prices, then we'll consider that as the next potential area to market to. if we... Just go and do a search as well, and we see that there's a lot of cash purchases on the MLS. Then, to us, that signifies there's a lot of investors that are purchasing in the area, which means they're renovating, they're improving the area. So we'll market to those areas as well.
1: Let's talk about the last deal you did. Can you describe it, how you found it, and the numbers, and what the result of it was?
0: The last deal for me was actually quite an interesting one. It it was this massive, massive renovation in that particularly hot area of the city I'd mentioned, Lawrenceville. And these houses in Lawrenceville, by the way, are 100-plus-year-old houses, so really old. They're full-gut jobs. A lot of times they require ripping walls out, restructuring. I believe that one was found with direct marketing. Actually, it was, and then he'd call back after a couple months of having received the mailer. So we didn't call right away on it, which is another great thing about direct mail. But anyhow, I think all in, we were looking at about 175, $200,000 renovation. It was, a, again, a huge, over 3,000 square foot house. We blew the roof off, expanded the dormer. There's a two-car garage in the back that we blew the roof off of. That was a two-story, two-car garage. So we blew the roof off of that and had a, an outdoor deck there as well. We ended up pre-selling it to a few parties interested, but we ended up pre-selling it to a young couple, and that was my first true pre-sale, I guess. I'd never done one before. I'd only heard both how great it can be to have it sold the week you finish renovations to save on the realtor commission, all the great things about it. And then I also heard horror stories.
1: What's a horror story? Why wouldn't it be good?
0: So so that's kind of what ended up happening
1: Uh-oh. with this.
0: <laughs> we had some very particular buyers. It was only drywalled in when we were wrapping up negotiations. So drywall was up, but paint colors weren't on the wall. The kitchen wasn't in. Bathrooms weren't tiled. Flooring wasn't in. And we marketed it as a choose-your-own-finishes. So if you want to change the paint color, go for it. And we did that. They wanted to change a lot of different things, some of which were bigger issues than others. So we came to an agreement on everything they wanted to change. And it started with the hardwood floor, which we had already had delivered there. They wanted to switch. So had to ship that back, get the new hardwood delivered. I mean, that alone probably took about a week to situate. So already a few delays right off the bat. And then just going through the whole process from – having the buyers change their minds. Oh, I know we requested that that change be made, but now we don't really like the way it looks. We thought it would look differently. Can we change it back? To the mom wanting to fly in. She was an interior designer, so... Uh-oh. At one point, yeah, exactly. That should have been my first warning. But she wanted to fly in, and at one point I think she'd said, you know, just hang on, hold off on, doing any more of the work there till I fly in and take a look and review the progress and whatnot. (laughs) So just situations like those really required a lot more time than I'd estimated. It's one thing to manage construction crew and materials or suppliers, all that. It's a completely different thing to manage buyer who's moving into what's going to be their house and from their perspective is their house already, even while we're doing construction on it. And that was a a completely new challenge for me, I guess.
1: Mm. What happened?
0: So it did close. Everything ultimately went well and closed up a few weeks later than we'd anticipated. But it did close. We had a little bit of money escrowed for a few remaining items that needed to be done. And we're actually still in the process of doing those as we just closed uh, a few weeks ago here, almost a month ago, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. How much did you you put in... What, 175, or is that uh, what you estimated? How much did you actually put in?
0: Yeah, that 175 was about, I think we were actually closer to the 200 mark on what we put in labor and materials. And we anticipated making close to 100. They had a good offer, but we did do some negotiating with upgrades and whatnot. We weren't quite there, and I can't recall what the exact number was. But we definitely, through the whole process of losing time, holding costs, putting more upgrades that they requested in, $100 square foot granite mm-hmm. <laughs> being one of them, we probably lost twenty, thirty grand at least in that process. But it was definitely a learning experience and uh, gained a lot of good information that I took away with me from it.
1: Yeah. How much did you acquire the property for?
0: That one we bought for, what was it? it was just under 140 I want say it was like 137.5, 138.5, something like
1: that. Okay. 140 plus 200 is 340,000. What did you sell it for? That was 472, I believe. 472, okay. And you had 340 in it plus closing costs and just miscellaneous things that came up, it sounds like. You made how much? About 75, 80,000?
0: No, it was probably, maybe it could have been, yeah, about like 70 or so, maybe 50, somewhere in that range, I would say. But holding costs, I mean, again, it was a massive renovation that we closed on last year. which is sold here, like I said, about a month ago. So it, it took quite a while to renovate and
1: all that as well. Well, what are the takeaways from that experience that you would apply to your next flip when you're looking to sell it?
0: One, I would say if you're going to pre sell, one of the mistakes I made at least was giving them too many upgrades at basically a cost to us. And then when things either didn't go quite as planned or they wanted to change or for whatever reason, trying to make the time frame go a little quicker, get more guys in there to speed it up, ended up eating away at some of our profit. So that definitely would be one. The other thing I would say that I probably should have done a little better as well, something like a a weekly update with the buyers because a lot of times they were stocking down, coming through at night, wanting to see it Saturday, wanting their brother to come through Sunday, wanting their other brother to come through Monday. It took a lot of time. The contractors were starting to get frustrated. They're there questioning the contractor's work.
1: Right. Um, I think
0: we actually had one of the guys walk off because
1: of
0: (laughs) one of the things they'd said to one of them. So definitely managing the buyer, that definitely was something I learned through this whole experience as well.
1: That is good to know. I'm glad we talked about this. I haven't talked about this on the podcast before. Taylor, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: All right. On, I guess, a little bit of a similar note, to that, I would say you have to build good relationships with good contractors. Absolutely necessary. If you're going to do any sort of investing in real estate, other than wholesaling, you're going to come across properties that need renovated and it's vitally important to have a good crew to call on and be able to trust and rely on them. I know I've gone through plenty of bad contractors. And it's just part of the necessity. you got to work your way through the bad ones to get to the good ones sometimes. But one of the great ways I've found to avoid the bad contractors is to actually ask for referrals from other serious investors. So a lot of the guys, when I'm in need of a native, uh, roofing specialist or whatever, I'll go to another investor at my rea and say, hey, here's your roofer. And, I mean, some guys won't want to give up their contractors, but you be surprised a lot of them will, willingly, more than happily, give you a referral of who they use. And more than likely, if they're doing work for another investor that's full-time active in the market, it's a pretty good bet that they'll work out and give you good work at a fairly decent price. So uh, that was one of the things that I'd found there. Kind of similar to that, until I do... At least a few jobs. I never give any sort of down payment to a contractor, even if they come referred. Do at least one job with them, because if I barely know them the first time doing work together, I don't know they could go and take the check and disappear. And, and once they're gone, it's pretty tough to track them down or get them to come back to the job. That usually doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I make sure I follow that rule as well. And then another way to avoid the bad ones and try and sort through them is to always do a background check and a criminal background check on them. If you've got a guy that you pull up his record and do a public search on him and he's got three arrests from last month and <laughs> in, in arrests and citations here before, it's probably not the guy that you're going to want to hire. So, but that being said as well, if there's guys that have a few citations or whatever from years and years ago, but nothing recently, It doesn't mean you necessarily have to count him out. Just maybe keep a closer eye on him if you decide that is the guy to go with. So that's another one of the ways that I found to sort through the bad contractors and try and get as many of the good contractors as you can. And then the last way that I try and kind of sort and filter them is when I do decide or come down to at least the last two that I'm considering, I'll ask them for recommendations from other investors they've done work for them. So if the contractors are saying, yeah, I'll give you three names and call them and talk to all three of the investors, get glowing reviews, more than likely you know, they're a pretty decent contractor. But there's also been guys that are either hesitant to give you referrals and say, oh, you know, or I don't work for investors usually or I, I don't have them right now because it makes some sort of excuse. Then that's also kind of a red flag that, they may not be the guy for the job. Using those ways, i found that it's a pretty good way to at least better your odds and your chances of hiring a good contractor.
1: That's right, and that's what this is about. It's putting ourselves in the best position for success. Nothing's a guarantee, especially with contractors or any partner, really, because we're human beings. And you never know what a human being will do, given any certain situation, but certainly you're setting up the game to win by taking those three steps. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, absolutely. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Are you looking for a hard money loan or do you have a mortgage note that you want to sell? Then email David at hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com if you recognize this company. Well, that's because David was a best ever guest. On the show is episode 122, David Campbell. And you can email him at David at com if you're looking for a hard money loan or if you have a mortgage note to sell. Best ever book you've read.
0: Oh, right. So, boy, I got a ton of these. But I would say, I mean, there's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, The Alchemist, Paulo Coelho, For Our Work. Real estate-specific, though, There's a great book called Renovating Old Houses by George Nash, and it's textbook format. Definitely not the most entertaining book, although I found it very interesting, but it provides a ton of information on proper techniques and methods of renovating and constructing old homes, which obviously is very important if you're going to be managing renovations.
1: Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it?
0: (laughs) Well... This one's constantly changing as I'm always trying to push myself and grow, but I would have to go back to the story I just said there of pre-selling that massive renovation in Lawrenceville that we just got done with learning to manage the buyer as well. It's just contractors and supplies and materials. That was a new experience for me and definitely I uh, grew a lot and learned a lot through that experience.
1: Best ever deal you've done.
0: Best ever deal. I'd have to say a couple years back, There's this property, we closed on it, uh, and we're planning to flip it. It was, I believe, either the 11th or 12th flip that we would have had going on at the same time. So we were already short on crews and contractors. I was struggling to find enough good crews for the other 10 properties or so that we were doing. So I was kind of worried about the time frame on it. and. Coincidentally, somehow, we were in touch with a neighbor. I don't remember how she got in touch with us or we got in touch with her, but she expressed her interest in purchasing it as is. So basically, we ended up saying, all right, we'll wholesale it to you. And we had done a little bit of demo work and framing that sort of thing already. But we made about half of what our anticipated profit would have been if we had taken the three, four or five months to renovate it, put it on the market and whatnot. And we just wholesale the turf for about half of uh, what we thought we would flip in it. So from a time value money perspective, that definitely was a pretty profitable deal.
1: Best ever way you like to give back?
0: That's a great question. I love this one. I like to give a mix of my time and money to causes I feel very strongly about. So a family friend of mine here heads an organization in the area. And the organization provides economic support for impoverished families of children with cancer and what it does is it allows these parents to be able to afford to take the time off work so that they can be in the hospital and spend time with their young children who are three four five years old sometimes and and be there with them as they're going through treatment so that's a great one that i love there's also a youth football team in the area it's the last youth football team on the south side of the city and it's running at a deficit since it's the last one in the area. If it falls through, obviously there's no youth football team for the kids in that area. So uh, that's another great one. And the the cool story about that, the way that actually got introduced to me is it went viral on Facebook, kind of like the, remember the Ice Bucket Challenge? It went viral through the investment community in Pittsburgh. And everyone was tagging a few other investors and they ended up raising a lot of money that way. So that's another good one. And then. I guess from a time perspective as well, on the board, an assistant board member of my uh, local RIA. So that's a great way, I think, because I'm a huge, huge believer in uh, educating yourself. And I think that's a, a great way of giving back as well.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
0: I'm going to say this might be more of a missed opportunity. Well, it was definitely a mistake at the same time. So it still haunts me because there's probably over 100000 in lost profit on it. But a couple years back, we got a call from a gentleman responding to some of our marketing and he was looking to sell his rental property. It was in the particularly hot area that I mentioned Lawrenceville. And he was looking to get about $12,000 for the place. And this place was, I mean, close to $200,000 at the time after repair value, if not 200000 So. We easily could have paid fifty, sixty thousand. It wasn't a real big place, but we tried to set up an appointment, to see the place. For whatever reason, though, he wasn't able to meet us there for quite a while. It's tough to get a hold of him. Trying to call him back, we wanted to get everything wrapped up ASAP. And when he finally did get back in touch with us, or we called him, whatever, we ended up ultimately telling him, "Well, we'll just buy it from you, sight unseen, as is." But big mistake that we made was we offered him $10,000 instead of the 12000 he was looking for for some reason, even though could have paid 50000 60000 for it. And uh, looking back on it, it seems so stupid now, but <laughs> we thought this would motivate him in some way to meet us at the property, let the tenant, put some pressure on the tenant to let us in, or at least meet him and get the agreement signed. So again, lost touch with him for a few days, trying to call him, get a hold of him, Finally, get back in, in touch with him. I think at one point my brother had even driven over to his house and knocked on his door, you know, waited there for him for a little bit to try and reach him. But a few days later, we finally get a hold of him, or he gets a hold of us, and he informs us that he actually signed an agreement with another investor the day before for $11,000. Uh.
1: <laughs>
0: so, by trying to haggle over you near know, $2,000 and ultimately cost us a highly profitable deal and we ended up losing out on the deal completely. So, uh, yeah, that one was pretty devastating. It was a big mistake, I'd say, from monetary perspective, and it still kind of frustrates me today because today, I mean, if you would have held on to it, it's worth probably 250 275 today all fixed up. So,
1: What's the best place the best-ever listeners can reach you?
0: My email address taylor at helpinghandre.com. R-E is in real estate. You can shoot me an email. You can also visit the website, uh, www dot helping we are in the process of remaking the website so it may not be up just in time here but uh, we'll have that to you soon all revamped but those are some great ways to get in touch with me
1: there taylor a lot of hard-hitting helpful tips based on your first-hand experience that's what we love the most from pre-selling and the pros and cons and really focusing on what you would do differently two things. One is if you are going to do upgrades, then don't do it at cost. Make sure you're making money on every line item. That way you're getting compensated for your time. And then two, establish a weekly communication schedule with the buyers instead of having them come in randomly and talk to your contractors or subcontractors and In your case, one of them even walked off the site because they didn't enjoy what was being said to them. So have some setting those expectations up front as well as the other lessons that you've learned along the way. So thank you for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank
0: you, Joe. I appreciate
1: it. Are you looking for a hard money loan or do you have a mortgage note that you want to sell? Then email David at hasslefreecashflowinvesting.com. If you recognize this company, well that's because David was a best ever guest on the show is episode one hundred and twenty two, David Campbell, and you can email him at David at hasselfreecashflowinvesting dot com if you're looking for a hard money loan or if you have a mortgage note to sell.